0: Freedom itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward, and freedom will be defended.
1: We just had a, a plane crash into Alpha Four of the World Trade Center. Transmit a second alarm and start relocating companies into the area. The World Trade Center Tower Number One is on fire. The whole outside of the building is just a huge explosion. We have a number of floors on fire. It looked like the plane was aiming towards the building. We were Financial Center. We heard a big bang. And then we saw smoke coming out. And everybody started running out. And we saw the plane on the other side of the building. And there was smoke everywhere. And people are jumping out the windows. Over there, they're jumping out the windows, I guess, because they're trying to save themselves. So I don't know. C hey, 3, I'm in the car. It's, it's it's bad. Were, you, uh, were there other people that were hurt? Were lying? There or? was a lot of people hurt. They were lying on the floors, coming down the
0: stairs.
1: A lot of people had asthma attacks while they were coming down. It was it was bad. What just happened now? The building just came down. One of them. I don't know which one came down. I don't know if it was one or two. Uh, Negative on anything, okay Right now we're all alone. The second building came down. I can't see, so we have no contact with anybody at this time. This is about 15 minutes ago. Bodies started dropping from the top floors of the uh, tower closest to the highway. About at least five or six, and uh, it was it was absolutely terrible. Obviously, they had two choices: to be burned into in flames, or to uh, leap and end it all. I want you all to know that America today, America today, is on bended knee in prayer for the people whose lives were lost here. For the workers who work here, for the families who mourn, this nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens. I remember.
2: I remember.
0: I remember. I remember. I remember. remember. I remember.
2: We remember the victims and the heroes of September 11th, 2001.
3: Gaming Network presents Elder Scrolls Off the Record.
2: Everybody. Welcome back to Elder Scrolls Off the Record for episode number 82. I am Joe the Widget Wilson, and we are back for another fine episode. Episode? I meant episode. Of, <laughs> of Elder Scrolls Off the Record. I am joined as always by my awesome, amazing co hosts, starting with the understandably underrated Ivarwin. Joe! Yvarwin, what's up, buddy? How's your week? You know, it, it was
3: understandably underrated,
2: because there wasn't a whole
3: lot of news about it, um, but I will tell you this, there was a lot going on, my
2: friend. Word. In my, my life. In my life. Yeah. Okay. Hello, chat room. We are joined by the unwillingly uneven, Lewis Alon.
0: Hey! Wow, that actually works. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Hello, everyone, Hello, chat room. How's everyone tonight?
3: Lou, are you in dire need of a V8?
0: <laughs> yes. I could have had, yeah. oh, More
3: fiber, fiber have in his bread bread diet. Bread. Yeah. Are you uh, a- uneven?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we are joined by the unforgivably ugly David Deanforce Adams. <laughs> oh, that's accurate.
3: <laughs> you should apologize now, Dave. <laughs> wow, that's... And then so, yell at your mother. <laughs>
0: what's the knife, man? <laughs> God. I didn't. With make the it lemon up. juice and the salt included. Jeez.
1: <laughs>
2: I apologized prior to the show for Dave. <laughs> you,
1: you, you needed to, because I'm now trying to judge whether I should still be mad, even with you pre apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, that, that was the winner. That
2: was it. Uh, finally, <laughs> on the list is the usefully undisciplined
4: Shank the Tank. That is literally the most accurate description anyone has ever given me.
2: <laughs> Congrats, sir. Uh, Words with you. <laughs> I actually have my soundboard queued up today.
0: You are welcome!
2: All right, guys. We have another show to get into today. We have a lot going on. Unfortunately, no special guests this week. Can't do it every week, guys. But stay tuned for for future episodes. We plan to get a lot more... Guests on the show that you guys will enjoy. Um, but first, we have some sponsors,
3: yeah. So, big shout out to
2: tweakedaudio.com
3: for sponsoring this show today, in part. So, thank you, tweakedaudio.com. Head over to their site to get quality earbuds with free worldwide shipping and, of course, their unbeatable customer service. Oh, you'll scoop up a lifetime warranty with those as well if you use our code off the record. You also get an additional 30% off your order if you use that all at tweakedaudio.com. And we want to just say thank you to Druid Gameworks who says Druid Gameworks is gearing up for its first Kickstarter campaign for their game Unwritten Echoes of Twilight. Please visit druidgameworks.com. Thanks guys and keep up the great work. Great Q&A podcast last week with Paul Sage.
2: Thank you for your support. Thank you for your compliment. We'll be checking out that game. Uh, But first, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, uh, we have something quick to mention.
3: Uh, We do. ESO will be available to play at Eurogamer Expo, which is the UK's largest gaming show from September 26th to September 29th for ages 12 and up. So if you're going, Bethesda urges you to share your experience playing on twitter and facebook as well so give them a shout if you're gonna go Let i know how you liked it i want to go
2: i want to go nope can't go all right guys let's get into the show <laughs> the actual meat potatoes oh,
0: yeah bots. two for That's two this week joe two, for two. Yeah. well i
2: said before and then yeah okay you get the idea so we're going into the elder scrolls anthology is now available for sale guys If you ever want to play Arena, Daggerfall, Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim all in the same set, you can.
1: I'm so excited about it! I love it so much! Oh my god! God.
2: Someone (laughs) splash him with water! (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to get this thing. It's so great. It comes with like this,
3: um, like hard plastic shell, and then you pull it out right that's me pulling it up and then it comes like with this this hardcover book and then you open it up and it's got all these inserts and maps and i got every physical copy of elder scrolls right here in this awesome little thing here little dlc and all that it's fantastic oh god i love it so much
0: I'm just gonna rub my
1: face in it. Horrible. Is anyone else getting the feeling that Varwin is slightly excited about this anthology?
2: Uh, no, I didn't. I Let's never got go. that impression, though.
4: I I don't I don't think I have a computer powerful enough to run Arena. To be honest with you,
1: grab out your T nine calculator because I'm pretty sure that's what it could run. Definitely. <laughs>
0: Oh, yo, know, the old Casio wristwatches, calculate, calculate, the wristwatches.
1: Well, I have Good. to ask really
2: quick cuz I know Evian tweeted out about playing it. How is Arena and Daggerfall running?
3: Great, actually. Um it comes with you got to you got to run uh Arena and Daggerfall on DOSBox. So, uh the Anthology series comes with DOSBox. You download it right off the uh well, you you put it onto your computer with the disk and then um, it comes with, you know, instructions and all that. So be sure to to read, you know, the manual and the, the little readme file and all that if you're going to upload Arena and Daggerfall because it's, it's not what you're used to. Once you get it all set up and going, though, um, it's fantastic. It's so much fun. And I kind of feel like I'm playing Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first dungeon, which is the prison. You wake up in in a prison. Um, What? No way. Yeah, I know. Shocking. It's different for an Elder Scrolls (laughs) game, but it was the first one, so you got to expect some (laughs) (laughs) different... It took me four hours to figure out how to get out of that place. Did
2: you see Barney? I didn't see Barney. You didn't see the Argonian? Wait till you see the Argonian, you're going to just die. Okay. Well, I'm out. I'm out now, so... I just, curious, I just got, the got out, out
3: the before game. the show. Oh, I just got
2: out. I'm pretty so. sure Arena sends you all over the map. I believe it. It does. It takes you all over the place. So you'll run into some Argonians. Of,
3: speaking of maps, I just want to say that the, the Arena map so far has been the best map in an Elder Scrolls game I've ever played with. <laughs> it's easy to bring up. Uh, it's extremely uh, concise. You can figure out where you are in relationship to everything else. There's no barriers here. There's no decoding that you have to look at visually. Like there's nothing, none of that. You just you hit the M button, and there it is, in all of its glory, a freaking you know two bit <laughs> map. I'm here. This is the layout. I have to discover that stuff.
2: And there you go. It's great. Go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> So if you guys ever wanted to play Arena and Daggerfall in the easier way, this is definitely the way to do it. Get your, uh, what's it, your your teeth cut on the originals. Mm-hmm. So that is up for 799 in North America. Um, and what other details do you want to give out before we move on?
3: Uh, well, we just want to clarify that uh, there was some confusion regarding the initial announcement that just because... You know, it's the anthology series means that there's not gonna be any other Elder Scrolls games. That's not true. And obviously, um I don't know if you remember us reporting on this some, some uh some weeks ago, but we just want to say it again. Now that it's out and you get it in your hands, don't worry, there will be more Elder Scrolls games, as per Pete Hines on Twitter.
2: So, so no worries, guys. After all, Elder Scrolls Online's coming out, right? Yeah. Oh um also
3: uh Friday this Friday, which is tomorrow for us, it'll be available in Europe. And uh, if you get it on what was it, uh, Amazon.com, Best Buy, or Walmart, you'll also receive a ten dollars gift card. So, but that's only for uh, North American American
2: residents. Oh, there you go, guys. Yeah, Zenimax released a "Ask Us Anything" variety pack number seven as of Monday. And we're going to do like we normally do and cover it piece by piece. Starting with... What's up? I said sounds good. Alrighty. righty. Starting with the first question. How will the Alliance Wars work with the three alliances? Let's say the Ebonheart Pack controls a keep. Can the Almery Dominion and the Daggerfall Covenant attack that same keep at the same time? Or in the same scenario, let's say I am from the Almery Dominion. Can I just go around and start attacking the Daggerfall people who are attacking that keep? or are the confrontations capped to two alliances at any given
3: time? Uh, In that scenario, Aldmeri and Daggerfall forces can attack the Keep at the same time. And like you said, if they wipe out the Ebonheart defenders, it's up to the two alliances left to battle it out between each other. The Aldmeri attackers could choose to attack Daggerfall while assaulting the Keep, or just wait until the dust settles and attack whoever's left. Another tactic could involve the Ebonheart Force withdrawing from the Keep, letting Aldmeri and Daggerfall fight each other, and then wiping out any remaining forces from those two fighting. It's very exciting what three sides in open warfare add to a fight, and you'll see many tactics out there on the battlefields of Cyrodiil.
2: Oh, my God. All right, Dave. Why are you freaking out, man?
1: That's awesome. (laughs) That means that two-thirds of the people out there are going to be able to be killed at any given time.
4: That's pretty that just means that's, That just means that, uh, that's giving me, that's two thirds of the people I can run away from. It's a lot of piecing.
1: It's <laughs> a lot of piecing. <laughs> I mean, if you do it right, if you know that, let's say the Mary has the upper hand and the Aber- Ebenhart and the Daggerfall may know that the Mary has the upper hand in this keep Evanhard dudes could go over to Daggerfall dudes and say, whoa, hold up. We need to take them down. And you could see a, a group of two people going like a pincer attack on one keep. That's sick.
2: Two groups of people. Yeah. And then turning on each other and fighting it out. Bloodshed everywhere. And then Mary Dominion just walks over their corpses and takes the keep.
1: Takes it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <After> they've reformed. <laughs> Thanks Ladies for and help gentlemen, guys.
2: <laughs> that is your scenario. Alright, any other qu- uh, comments on that before we move on? Nope. Okay, hello there. I was hoping you might be able to share any information on the possibility of Shadow Scales. Please? I'm a major fan of them and would really like to see them in-game.
3: The shadow Scales, those
2: Argonians born
3: under the sign of the Shadow and thus taken into the Black Marsh Dark Brotherhood, are definitely a part of ESO. You will meet them personally in the region of Black Marsh known as Shadowfen.
2: Nice. Anything to do with the Black Dark Brotherhood is my heroes.
4: Dude, totally.
2: But they're Argonians.
3: So, so Shank, (laughs) these Argonians are actually your hero now?
4: No, the Dark Brotherhoods are my heroes. (laughs)
1: I was, I was... But yet, say, here's like, a Shang's problem. okay with this?
2: Here's a conundrum for you, Shank, but they're a part of Dark Brotherhood, and they're Argonians, so...
4: Yeah, is that but like but a there's a brilliant. Hero? But See, there, there's, I counter that with... There's a brilliant quest in Oblivion where you actually need to go kill a Shadow Scale. Thus, you, ha- you have an actual quest to kill an Argonian. That's not a
2: counter. Which That's just avoiding the topic here.
1: That's just sweet. <laughs> shut, the, shut up. <laughs> you know what the best part about <laughs> this statement is for Shank... He knows exactly <clears throat> where to go in sh- now. He knows exactly to go to Shadowfin to kill him out. Just wipe them all out right there, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, Shank.
1: They're telling you right there, Shank, go to Shadowfin, kill some people.
2: Shank's name is the Peaceful or the Wanderer, and he's going to go wipe out a bunch of assassins. This, I got to see. <laughs> he's
1: going to set <laughs> traps made out of, of blue mountain flowers.
3: <laughs> sh- Shank's like like that hero Shazam. You know, you got to say a certain word to to get him going, right? For, that, for Shank, it's it's Argonian. That that's it. That's his Shazam word. He he turns into Super Argonian Hunter. I turned
4: into Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Next question: Can you explain the guild stores a bit more? Do I have to be a member of a guild to buy from, or is it a public store in which guilds? A guild of crafters and merchants offer their products. Will I be able to set my own prices, or would this be regulated by the guild leaders?
3: You will need to be a member of a guild to use its guild store. Right now, there isn't a public storefront for them. If you have permission, configurable by the guild leader, to sell items on the guild store, you'll be able to set
2: your own prices.
4: This is hmm. price gouging. Monopoly. Yes.
2: This is kind of like, the idea of the guild store, what it lends to me is the encouragement of larger guilds.
1: Yeah, it definitely helps crafters recoup some of the cost uh, for making stuff, especially they can set stuff at a lower price than they would normally trading out in the real world for their guildies, you know, to be helpful, but I guess I've, I've, especially just the way I play MMOs, I just feel bad making my guildies pay for anything to set up a store like that would be against my nature
4: i i have a question um for you mmo pros uh can you so like i know there's there's guild stores and like other mmos but have you guys ever come across a situation or a possibility where like say we're in like qgn guild and there's some other like we love argonian guild can you like Can you like make a I don't know like a trade alliance with them and create like a trust of guilds?
2: For one, there's never been any kind of guild store before. There's guild banks, but that's where everyone just shares and you know becomes a community. Oh, maybe
4: I'm confusing the two. Okay.
2: The argument behind the guild stores, there's two different arguments here for it: is the usefulness of recuperating costs, that kind of thing, encouraging big guilds. The negative is, is it, one, it kind of hinders smaller guilds, and two, gets rid of the uh, community aspect of a guild bank. Unless they do plan on adding guild banks, they're also afraid that not having these guild stores will negate having an open auction house.
3: Right. Well, let's caveat that with, obviously, Joe's not spitting facts right now. He's telling, he's saying what other people are saying. About this thing, not that it's a fact, not that it's going to happen, but that other people feel this way. Exactly.
1: I I feel that way. I feel that if they're going to have this, I would at least like to see guild banks as well.
3: Well, they haven't said that they're going to.
1: Right. They haven't said anything for or against it.
2: Yeah. There's very very but little it, information when it comes to the uh, economy of ESO. There's no information on
3: on this. To be honest, I mean they. True. This is probably the most we've heard from from guild stores up until now. I wasn't sure if they were referring to a, the NPC guilds that you can buy from, or if it would be your guild that you would be buying from. Until they came out with this, so right. um, mm-hmm. this this sort of begs to uh, it begs uh, a lot of questions from it. Um, it was one of those things where. More questions arise out of the answer than. Really
2: yeah, it's else. just too little information to really kind of make any kind of judgment on it, yeah. and anyone who is making a judgment on it, shouldn't because there's just nothing enough out there for us to really know all the facts yet. Once they release like more information on the economy of ESO and how it's going to work, then we can know whether it's going to be a good thing or bad thing or whatever. In the yeah. meantime, I'm excited to hear
3: what's going on about this though.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Um I have faith that it could be something cool and interesting. I won't know until I'm in-game playing it. So, yeah. Any other thoughts? Well, tons, but, you know, do we yeah, have time, whole? Right? Right? We can do a whole Again, podcast on this. <laughs> unfortunately, though, that whole podcast would be a speculatory podcast, and we try to yeah, avoid that. Part. Sure. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the next question. Until we get more information regarding guild stores, guild banks, and that kind of stuff. And that other ilk. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be able to gather titles or achievements? For example, can you get them for the completion of a long quest? Or for solving every quest in a certain zone? Similar to Thane titles in, e- in Elder Scrolls 5
3: You'll be able to gain achievements for many things in-game. Including for completing large quest chains or by finishing every quest in a zone. As for titles, there's something that we're still considering. We understand the value and appeal of titles, but if we use them, we want to make sure they're displayed in a way that's immersive and consistent with our game. Rest assured, though, we want to make sure there are ways to show off your accomplishments in the game, such as through visual advancement, with gear, abilities, and by other mechanisms.
1: You know what I want to see... In game, I want to see them like be able to put your rank or your titles or symbols or crests on your gear, like on shoulders cape. or even cape. Yeah, that would be sick.
4: Yeah, I was, I was, I completely, dude. You just stole the words right out of my mouth. Like that was a, that was a brilliant answer. Like consistent with, uh, with the, the lore and whatnot. Like, and if you could display something like that on your cape or. You know, like on your on your shoulders, your spalders or whatever, on your armor. Well here's,
3: here's an idea. What about all right, so um in the military, obviously you don't have uh, titles over your head, right, whenever you're walking <laughs> right. around in life. But in the military, they give you they give you ribbons and medals. There's military in in elder scrolls, right, obviously. So why not? have some kind of way of showing off instead of a title system for I don't know throwing yourself off a cliff and living have some form of of like ribbon that gets put on on Dude. your your character's paper doll
2: or something that maybe could go on a cloak that would totally make yeah, me want to do uh, PvP just to gain rank
4: yeah, I would. Yeah,
2: I'd walk around.
4: Widget the
1: Mighty, he's neat and tidy.
2: You know, that's like Room on the Forest and kind of stuff. Wow. <laughs> what the hell
1: was that? Do you have your own internal monologue theme song?
0: Have you not that's seen Wow.
2: So. Okay, I don't know how... I know that you're you're old, you're, you're young, Dave, but for Lou and Ivarwin, you guys ever watch uh, Xena? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Josser. Oh, yeah. Come on.
0: Yes, jocks are the
2: mighty jocks are the mighty.
4: Jocks are the <laughs> that just happened, yeah. happened.
2: <laughs> an exclusive one wow. that rolls off the record
3: Joe do you have a Xena warrior princess uh, battle ch- battle cry uh no I, I
2: was a fan of Gabrielle oh just saying she didn't have a battle cry no
1: have you seen Xena lately I'll take two of those wow <laughs> she's like
2: twice Dave's age
1: I don't she care she's <clears throat> man. I could make that Xena battle cry.
2: <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> okay, we are moving on to the next question before we get way out of hand. <laughs> 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 Alright, if a player becomes emperor and their alliance holds the keep around the imperial city, how will the other alliances be able to take control again if they have no point of access into Cyrodiil? Also, if the emperor is changed... When the current Emperor is killed, what is to stop a player just avoiding Cyrodiil on that character once they become Emperor?
3: Access to Cyrodiil is always available in safe locations that enemies cannot enter, so you can always fight over control of the Emperorship. If an Emperor is dethroned, meaning their alliance lost all the keeps necessary to crown an Emperor, the next time they are killed, log out, or switch zones, they lose the Emperorship. Emperorship isn't just beneficial to the individual player, though. The entire alliance gets a bonus if an emperor is on their side.
4: See, this answers a question that I had, which was like, if you enter Cyrodiil, like my biggest fear was entering Cyrodiil because I'm curious to see it, and then instantly being killed because someone's like just sitting there hanging out at that spawn point or whatever.
3: What I like like from this is... That ain't gonna happen. Now we know how an alliance is going to be crowned. put an emperor on the throne, at least to a degree. Right, you, you have gave to give us some information right here. Yeah, some some information, which is great. I mean, you have to uh, you have to hold on to some keeps. You have to take keeps and hold on to them in order to crown an emperor. What I'm not too sure about, and what I'm e- eager to hear now, is how does an individual player get crowned?
2: Mm. Yeah, that's still up in the air, huh? Yeah, yeah. I,
3: <clears throat> I can imagine it would probably be like, you know, do you have the highest points in the fight? I, that would probably be the easiest way to go about that. But you know, knowing Zoss, you know, that may be <clears throat> that may not be the way they go. Just because I- easiest
4: and obvious way. I think honestly, like the the most obvious way to the crown emperor would just be like you know who can twerk the best. Yeah.
1: Oh God. On really, they could give points to near and near everything. Uh, clearing content, clearing dungeons, especially that thing that we were talking about last week the the veteran points. Oh, yeah, twerking. exactly.
2: It could be based off of veteran points.
1: It could be based off of veteran veteran points. That would be the easiest way because that goes with everything as we were told, and honestly, you're going to have people complain if only PvP people can be crowned emperor. So If if it's based on
3: veteran points, so I mean, that's not something that you give up at the end of a
1: No, but it's not something that is going to stop anyone else from becoming emperor. I mean, you're always it sounds to me like people can or even if they do it on a weekly basis. You know, whenever the, the Cyrodiil, they said that th- these campaigns are going to go for seasons in air quotes, right? right? So whenever the season resets, they could reset your uh, well, not remove them, but reset your count for that period of your veteran points. Uh, I don't know. At least oh, that's, that's how it. I would do it, and then let people duke it out, and then whenever an emperor should be crowned, see who has that the most uh, veteran points for that period.
2: I don't know about that. Oh, that regardless, that I, I don't know. Regardless how they do it, I wanna see a member of Reforged or whatever we name our guild sitting on the throne first. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> no it won't. But still, we can wish, right? Well uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we'll have some members thrown you know, crowned at some point. Maybe. Never know. Hopefully. You never know. I wanna crown widget. Or even crown Yvarwin. Talk about a paladin moment right there. I guarantee you that's not going to happen. I'm no, terrible in PvP. Liz
0: will stab us all in the back and take the yeah, throne for our bodies. I think
1: Liz would take Emperor, and then she <laughs> yeah.
2: would be like... Empress, Liz...
0: All
1: those people who, who made fun of me, I'm banning. Dean, you're gone.
2: See, people are going to fear Reforged just because of Liz. Elizabeth. A.K.A. Liz. A.K.A. Mr. Lebo.
0: No, it'll be Empress Lebeau now.
2: Empress LeBo, yeah. <laughs>
0: she'll never log off uh, I am uh, crowned empress I'll
2: never die like the queen from Game of
3: Thrones
4: (laughs) 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 Cersei Lebeau
2: (laughs) alright next question guys it has been confirmed that the mage the spell Mage Light will be in the game and you mentioned that it will reveal sneaking characters will Mage Light act like Mage Light from Skyrim being sent forward as a projectile sticking to the first object it hits or will it be more like Candlelight hovering above the caster. Will Mage Light serve any other purpose besides revealing sneaking players?
3: Mage Light will work more as an aura around the player, similar to Candlelight. In addition to revealing sneaking characters, it also grants a bonus to spellcasting.
2: Talk about one of the weirdest questions I could ask. Alrighty then. Coolness. So a spell from the Mage's Guild does that? Awesome.
1: Hmm. I like that PVE use as well. That's, that pleases
2: me. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We have already been told that there will... Be uh, massive? Be massive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that there will massive in-depth battles taking place for strongholds and territory in Cyrodiil. Uh, but my question is whether or not there will be any open PvP combat when encountering another player, not NPC, while exploring. Will there be any sort of combat in this case? Or... Will the encounters be purely social, even when meeting up with enemies from other factions?
3: There will be lots of chance encounters and roaming players to kill in Cyrodiil. Many of the quests from towns and from Alliance Entry locations are designed to send you into enemy territory. If you're looking for a fight outside of large-scale key battles, there's a good chance you'll run into some enemies near Coral, Chadenhall, Bruma, Cropsford, or...
4: Lestaris. So is, I, I is, did is, is, not ask this question, by the way.
2: Is Shank squealing
1: yet? <laughs> just of that.
2: I was wondering if Shank was squealing and, and muted. <laughs> I was just curious. I, I love the fact that their quests are going to be driving people further into Ciradels to create those encounters.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good way to encourage open world PvP. I mean what this gentleman asked, it's like uh, all of Cyrodiil's open world PvP. It doesn't matter where you are the moment you enter Cyrodiil, you know, you're either going to kill someone or get killed yourself so
4: <laughs> it, just, it just depends on it just like it just, the chances of you like in certain areas are much higher than if you're in the middle of nowhere but you still have that mm-hmm. chance of being killed for sure. Right.
0: When you step into Cyrodiil you're always going to have a chance, you're going to get killed <laughs> so Shane, right. have
3: you seen the, the uh, then and now pictures of Coral
4: I have not actually. Do you mind linking them to me? I would love to see it. Yeah, I'll see if I can find you some. Um, oh, yeah, are these very... pictures of like uh, from Oblivion versus ESO? Yes. Oh God, I would love to see that, dude. Yeah, I'll,
3: I'll see if I can grab some up
2: for you. It's either awesome. Coral, Coral, or excuse me, Coral or Chadenhole. One of the two. Anyway, can we, we have another question to get into. If players are free to choose one of three factions, how will ESL strike? A player balance between the three would if one faction is overpopulated while another is extremely underpopulated. The underpopulated one won't stand a chance in claiming the throne.
3: Three-sided battles actually allow for more player balancing options than systematic options. If one side is overpopulated, the other two sides usually gang up on that alliance. That being said, there are alliance population caps per campaign to make sure one alliance doesn't fill up a campaign entirely. There are also scoring incentives for alliances that are tailing behind when capturing resources and keep from the winning alliance, and the score is imbalanced. You'll get more points by taking keeps and resources from the winning alliance and holding your own keeps, helping you catch up in the overall score. Lastly, keeps can be captured with smaller groups than you may expect, so underpopulated alliances have a real shot at claiming the throne.
2: Booya!
4: Yep. I, this I, is... Sorry, go ahead, no, Luke. Go ahead, Jank. Go ahead, Jank. No, I, I just had a question. Like, how many P- MMOs that you guys have played have more than two factions?
1: Good MMOs.
4: Well, ju- just any because, like, I'm wondering how because they're talking about. It seems like this is like almost like a balance question.
0: It is. Um, it, it's a straight balance question. Um, a lot of people who are uh, you know who have experience in Dark Edge of Camelot, because this is where it's coming from, this is the fir- one of the few games that actually has this. Three, faction, uh, oh, three factions in a game. And this is exactly how they functioned. Uh, if one faction was overly populated, where well, they, the, you know, they were the cool kids, so everyone joined them, they could still lose horribly, because the other two factions would, you know, would form their own alliance and systematically work together and destroy them piece by piece.
2: Or you get a really good group of Dark Brotherhood wannabes, creating havoc and mayhem in the background. That's always possible. And when it comes, right? It seems to me that they're trying to reward intelligence more than sheer number.
4: Just brute force, yeah. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, and you know, own experience playing DOE da- Shank, yeah, I have my, my groups. We have with small groups, we have taken keeps because you can't be everywhere at once. <laughs> it you know, way.
2: guys. I ain't, you you all know I'm not a fan of MMO PvP at all. But the more and more we talk about and we hear about uh, Cyrodiil-based PvP, the more excited I get about it. And I didn't think that was going to happen, period.
1: Yeah, because it sounds more and more brains over brawn. Yeah. But, I mean, there's still going to be the times when you're going one-on-one with somebody, but it's not the two football teams smack into each other in the middle of the field PvP like you see in other games.
2: Or like fighters you know the button mashers are not going to (laughs) win so you got to really know your class know how to play against them and be smart about it which is going to be fun it really is alright guys next question will we find new hints about the disappearance of Dwemer in ESO Ooh, that's my question
1: (laughs) maybe new books
2: (laughs) maybe new books about Dwemer or even original texts from them there's never any shortage of theories in
3: The Elder Scrolls about the Dwemer and their mysterious disappearance back in the First Era. That
2: tradition carries on in ESO.
1: Hello, I got
2: my, my biggest... When it comes to Elder Scrolls games, the only really piece of lore that I really attached to was the whole Dwemer story. So
4: It's
1: yeah. a good one. <laughs> it is a good one.
4: It's a really good one.
2: <laughs> I'm hoping to see... More hints about Dwimmer, and I would still die to see a Dwimmer skill tree <laughs> somehow, some way,
4: <laughs> like
2: the uh, Dwimmer Archaeologist awesome. Guild or something. You know?
4: Oh, that'd be cool, D- dude. What I'd if, like, out. the master skill for that skill tree was like you find out the how they disappeared? I, I would use be it once. all
2: over that.
1: <laughs> I would spend the point. <laughs>
2: Or you finish their epic quest chain that's when you get revealed how it happened. Uh, yeah, I'd do it. I'm going to be able to summon a Dwemer spider that runs at my enemy oh, and explodes.
0: I would take more chat a Dwemer Gundam.
2: Alright. Any other comments on that, guys? Alright, final question. When attempting to take a keep, what are the perimeters for victory? In other words, what will the keep when will the keep change banners? Err, yeah. To break into a keep, attackers will have to destroy the walls or the gate. These openings will remain after the keep has, been, has changed banners. We know resources, mines, lumber mills, farms, will automatically repair the damage over time, but these are important to defending the stronghold. So they will most likely not have survived the battle either. How can players restore them and the walls and gates of the keep? How will players be able to manually repair the keep's walls and gates? I will probably be sneaking around a lot, so I'd like to know what role you expect thieves and assassins to play in taking a keep. You mentioned Guerrilla Warfare. Can you elaborate? There are two flags in a keep
3: which must be held by the same alliance to officially capture it. Killing NPCs is not required to take control of the keep, but it definitely makes it easier. There are capture banners at each resource and resources are captured independently of keeps. So, you can send out small skirmish groups to recapture them. As for your damaged gates and walls, you'll be able to purchase masonry and woodworking kits to help repair them more quickly. Sneaky players are great at taking out individual siege operators and weaponry. The best way to stop a weapon is, from firing is to kill the person using it. After that, you can set the weapon on fire and it'll get destroyed very quickly.
4: I feel like that'll be, if if anything, that would probably be my role. Because, I mean, I love sneaking around doing everything because, I mean, you guys said it, like, there's. it seems like there's so many options and, like, you really need to think about how you approach capturing anything or killing anything in this game. And it's in the PvP, so... Man, for someone like me, this is definitely opening up options.
2: There is no honor in sneaking. There's no <laughs> death
4: either, so... <laughs> oh,
2: there is. You get caught, you're toasty. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun taking on sneaky players. Like Shank. <laughs> yeah, Okay, guys, do you have any thoughts on this?
0: No, I, it's actually a great mechanic... How they're encouraging players, you know, to go out there, fight for, you know, for the possessions of those keeps and fortresses, what have you, and then just because you capture, you know, it doesn't magically, you know, in two seconds, you have a you know brand new keep. No, you no, know, you actually have to have players who will go out there and say, you know, I'll repair, you know, you you help you defend me while I repair, you know, the walls and the doors, you know, because there's always time possibility for counterattack. attack. Yeah.
2: Man, I can oh, I- just
0: because you lost, they can always come back. And say, you know what? We're coming back to get it, and now it's going to become a race to see, you know, get your stuff up, get it repaired before they come back.
2: I can imagine already organizing a uh, siege on a keep, getting siege weapons and stuff like that, and having posting three guards per siege. Cause obviously, like they said here, you know, taking out the operator is one of the best ways to stop it. If you have three guards at least around them, it'd be very hard for them to stop it. I and mean, other tactics like that, you know.
3: I love this. I, I think that when anyone turns on a PvP battle in an MMO, the first thing they think of is, how many players can I kill today? It's always the kill-death ratio. If that's how you're going to approach PvP and ESO, you're going to fail. You're
1: going to die. <laughs> you're going to fail. Third.
3: You have to actually think. Like, really, really think. And you have to approach this more from a uh, RTS real-time strategy than a, than a PvP battle. And if you're not doing that, it's just not going to work out for you. And that that excites me because, as much as I love trying to you know get a high kill death ratio in a PvP battle, it gets boring for me after a while. It's just not enough to keep me engaged. So exactly knowing that I'm going to be able to figure out something on on how to really take this place, this keep war or, or you know et cetera, what have you, based on other factors. I'm excited by that I think it's a really cool idea I'm looking forward to
2: playing it actually me too yeah which is something I didn't think I'd be saying anytime soon but me too (laughs) alright that's it for the ask us anything this week thanks for Zenimax for putting that out and the people who asked the questions Uh, a couple of them were actually very very good this time rather enjoyed it only one was a dud but you know
3: (laughs) (laughs) Are <laughs> we rating them now? <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, rating them.
2: <laughs> Elder Scrolls is the greatest game series of the decade. What is this about, Arwen? No, 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 no. That's not here. You got to do it like this. Elder Scrolls <laughs> is the greatest
3: game <laughs> series of the decade.
2: And my audio page peeks out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Fail. <laughs>
3: So, uh, gee whiz, uh, how can we say such a thing? Well, here you go. In a recent bracket system vote on GameSpot.com, which pit popular game titles against each other in elimination rounds until only one was left standing, the title of the greatest game series of the decade was decided. The vote came down to two titles, Elder Scrolls versus Grand Theft Auto. Fantastic series, by the way. Uh, big fan of GTA. And, what's that? I'm a big fan of GTA. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great series. I had a, I had a couple of those games myself. Uh, well, the votes are in, and Elder Scrolls wins in a very tight race, with the grand totals for each racking up to fifty two point five percent in favor of Elder Scrolls, and forty seven point five percent for Grand Theft Auto. So congratulations to the Elder Scrolls series And to Bethesda for being chosen By their fans and consumers As the greatest game series Of the decade
2: You know that's exactly how My personal voting would have been If I were to like rank them in my mind Like that It'd yeah. pretty much be that close With, with the, the Elder is, Scrolls series on top
4: I I legitimately Tried voting for this multiple times <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can see that
0: Shank trying to stack the boats.
3: Yeah. Uh, little side note Fallout was also in the top four, only beaten by The Elder Scrolls.
4: So we had two Bethesda titles, huh? Up there? Yeah. That's,
0: that's an awesome.
4: Thing you to know, Bethesda
2: right reminds me a lot of. Um, they're on the same kind of developer level as Blizzard is. And when you think of those two developers, what do you think about? You think about quality they don't Mm -hmm. release a game yearly they don't release a game until they know it's ready and it shows in everything that they do I mean, yes Elder Scrolls have known to have bugs and they get released but that's typical with every single game ever released but the content and what you're getting into and what you're playing is far and beyond far and and beyond the normal game studio's method of releasing games so it doesn't surprise me Agreed. All right. <clears throat> we had a crafting table last week that I was chosen yet again <laughs> from Mr. Evarwin. You were chosen. Um, do you want me to get into that right now, or do you want to talk about that? Yeah, man, do what? it up. I want to hear about AravI right. Dungeon. AravI Dungeon. I actually
3: live-streamed it today while I did it. There are. Yeah, like- I'm sorry I couldn't uh, make the live-stream. I, oh, no, I wanted cool. to, but... I had to do the notes.
2: I'm kind of glad you didn't, because I would rather t- give you my results now, you know? <laughs> glad you weren't there, jerk! <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. I want you to have a, f- a fresh, you know, um, review, if you will. Right, right, right. Because you would yeah. have known huh. my, my points of view if you would have listened to the, or seen the live stream.
3: Uh-huh. Well, uh, please, uh, tantalize my virgin ears. <laughs>
2: I, I, okay, there's a couple things about this that I found really positive, and a couple of things that were negative. Um, the really positive aspect of this is that it is a very beautifully designed dungeon. The guy. Well, hold on, yeah. but
3: Just, just for just to get this off and out of the way, because I, I want to know right now should Should I download this or not?
2: Yes. Okay. I think it's worth right, downloading. Um, my only go. warning warning is is that please understand you're going to probably spend an hour or more inside this dungeon. Oh, Not due to size, but it kind of goes to where my complaint is. There are a ton of puzzles and hidden switches for doors. Um, and there is one that is, I would say, glitched. Because it's not obvious. Let's put it this way. There is a dragon claw, in, in, in particular, I'm not going to give any spoilers, I'm going to give hints. Um, there's an uh, Aravi dragon claw I know how you open the dragon door normally by flipping the claw open and seeing the three marks. Mm -hmm. That's not the answer to this one. Oh. Which got me extremely frustrated because I kept on trying the claw marks, the claw symbols over and over again. It was doing nothing. No indicator I was doing wrong. No indicator I was doing anything right. Wound up searching around the rooms. I'm not going to tell you what the actual answer is. Mm -hmm. But let's just say that you've got to pay very, very close attention and it was actually someone in the chat room That um, helped with that answer. A lot, actually. Um, Chat room knows everything. They gave me the clue that said, yeah, that's it. Uh, The boss fight at the end, he is powerful. He will give you a fight. I survived it with not even a sliver of life left. What level are you? 52.
3: What was your your method of attack?
2: I started out archery. Pinging at him with my crossbow with a uh, lightning bolts. Mm Mm-hmm. And then finished him off going melee. The melee part was my mistake. That's when I started getting hammered. Because I was able to avoid his magic because he's a spellcaster. I was able to avoid his magic for the most part while doing my crossbow. But when I went in melee, that's when he started hammering me. And when he started hammering me, it was hitting a lot harder than I expected by far. Um, There's a lot of Draugr all over the place. And they are fairly simple. Depending on your level. Uh, the graphics, like I said, the design of it is very unique in Elder Scrolls. There's ro- one room in particular that actually had me in awe. That it was really awesome to see. You gotta look up and you look down and you're like, what the heck? It was <laughs> really cool. So the design of it is really neat. I would highly recommend bringing a torch with you or mage light or a candlelight or some other kind of light spell because it does get very, very dark in there.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't go anywhere without a, a whole bunch of torches on me.
2: Yeah, I didn't have any, so it made it difficult at some points. I didn't find the hidden weapon cache. I did look. I have no idea where. And the major, major problem I had is that there is no shortcut out after you complete the dungeon. You have oh, to so you run go all the, way back, all the <laughs> way back around. Wow! And that was the only <laughs> major flaw that I had, besides the uh, dragon claw issue other than that it was actually I was very entertained while playing it so it was a good job cool oh good I'm glad I'm glad I finally got you a good mod yeah, I enjoyed it thank you yeah now I'll stop bugging you <laughs> and <laughs> next week Joel <laughs> alright what do you have for us this week buddy
3: all right, so, so uh, here's, here's the mod challenge of the week. And uh, if you don't know how this goes, I will tell you. Mod challenge of the week is for one host only. For that week, I will announce who the challenge is for. The host will click on a link that's right here in our show notes and will read off what the mod is and what it does. And the host has until next week to show and install and try the mod. So, here we go. That's uh, that's the link right there. And this will go to... David D.
1: Enforce Adams! Because well, he complained last week. Now you come week. crawling back, yeah. Dave, I, I, I
2: am so sorry you have to do this one. <laughs> this is for Joe, actually. Shut up, Dave. Sit down. <laughs> Dude,
1: you wow. have no idea how much of a huge aliens and predator... Fan, I am. This Not is actually looking really. You cool. have no clue. I am. Oh my god.
3: I if do. No, how much it, you told me. I love you.
1: <laughs> 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 this actually, looks I, actually oh actually my god. Neat. This is so cool. <laughs>
2: aliens versus Dovakin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: aliens
0: versus Gen.
3: Like any good, like any good <laughs> crossover, if uh, if aliens aren't in
2: the crossover, it's not a good crossover.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> well, you guys
1: downloading. <laughs> the name
2: of the mod is Aliens, and yes, it does bring in the famous aliens from the movies Alien and Aliens, and three, <laughs> and four, <laughs> created by Dogtown
3: One. Dave, want to yes. read the description? That's
1: so cool. Not really. I'm too excited. <laughs> says from Dogtown Run, description is a very short distance east of the entrance to I- 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 Iliana's Deep. There's a cave opening. Fight your way through the xenomorph hive against many different xenotypes and base huggers. When you reach the center of the nest, prepare for the battle against the queen. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Unopened alien eggs can be looted to collect alien embryos that can be collected and used as decoration in your home. Oh, my God. (laughs) Or you can eat them to regain health. Oh, my God. I love you. <laughs> it's like it's like a kid
2: after Christmas.
1: <laughs> this is no, really. the coolest thing. I actually have a face hugger full size like toy that's posable and every oh my I'm breaking out my alien toys, they're gonna have these.
2: And our first email comes in to us from Therapist and Evarwin. This is all you man. Sounds good. It says, Hi, OTR crew. Something been bothering me about the whole auction house situation,
3: and I think I've come up with what's going on or a possible solution to the trade issue. At first, I thought the auction house would be part of an expansion like the Thieves Guild or Dark Brotherhood, a Merchant or Banker's Guild, for example. But after the Remembering Lou's legment, uh, segment on the Guilds Act, I realized that all the guilds were established in the Second Era 321. 262 years before the time of ESO. So this could be lore breaking as there's no mention of such a guild. This left me disappointed as I thought was onto something as I thought I was onto something. However, what is mentioned on the unofficial elder scrolls pages is merchant organization organizations, such as East empire trading company. Now this opens all sorts of possibilities. Auction houses in ports across factions, cross-faction trading, reputation, questing, grinding. There could be commission on sales like you see in most MMOs, so there's a gold sink. Anyway, I'm sure we could think of loads of others. My point is that just having a guild trade is fine to start off with, and heck, it might even work, but Zenimax have always responded well to community input. And have repeatedly said that they will have an aggressive content update schedule, so my thinking is auction houses will make an appearance at some time i 'm wondering what you guys think or have come up with any ideas about this topic. yours sincerely therapist I would say regarding regarding the whole issue on on auction houses, uh, what I love about this email is that this guy definitely brings up a really awesome, awesome. Idea, and that is essentially this: Um, you could go to some place like East Empire Trading Company and actually have like an auction house type of thing there, like you'd see in most MMOs. Uh, That would not be lore-breaking at all. Now, if they were to have, you know, an NPC that would be the auction house in quotes. That would be a little lore breaking, and I and I know that Zenimax wants to sort of get away from that sort of thing. But you know, like I said, this guy brings up a great idea, or at least a good thought, saying that well, if you don't want to have it like that, you could have the East Empire Trading Company sort of be your pseudo auction house, if you will. That coupled on top of the uh guild stores that we'll have access to within our own guilds, I think would make for uh, a really interesting and uh, robust. Player
4: to player, financial system. I, I got a question. So, are maybe I mean, I'm, I'm maybe I'm just misunderstanding, but are our auction houses they they're, they're player driven, right? Or does like the do like do do the developers have any control over that? Or are auction houses like is that just purely like driven by the players' uh, purchase patterns and all that stuff? It's completely
2: driven by the player economy.
4: Okay. Okay, so if you had... Okay, with their guild store, so if they had, like, two player, Okay, I'm just thinking out loud here. Okay. <laughs> well,
2: since you're out well, there uh, talking... What, Lou?
0: Well, no, no, go ahead. I was
2: just going to move on. If you got something to say, go for it.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, Shank, he's just trying to... You know, because we- since we know so little about how exactly the-, the guild stores will work, I think what he's trying to say, you know, if if you don't want to use the guild store and you still want to sell your stuff... You know, you, you would at, at this time, there's no means that's, you know, available. You know, there's no information uh, out there. Okay. So he's postulating, you know what? If they don't use the guild stores or what have guild auction houses, maybe use an NPC, you know, third, use them as a third party to actually hold auctions. Gotcha. You know, you use them to hawk your wares and you get, you know, they get their cut, obviously, because they're the ones selling it for you. Well, cool. And it goes across across all three factions.
2: Our next email comes in from Sworly and this is all Shank.
0: (laughs) The
4: the Shank emote slash kill Argonian whips out an Argonian to sacrifice brutally. You, Mr. Sworly, just received my much coveted huge G award for this week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god.
4: I totally agree with this dude or chick. That's <laughs> awesome.
2: <laughs> More hate Mel. I
0: know right. <laughs> Why are they all going hate?
2: <laughs> uh, next email comes in from Michael D. Dave, this is yours.
1: Yes. Michael D says, Dear Elder Scrolls, off the record, I've been re-listening to all the former episodes and I have a question about a game mechanic discussed in the PAX East episode. When you guys were talking about crowd control usage with Nick Conkle, somebody asked about a diminishing return system in ESO, to which he responded that this sort of system would not occur in the game. From my understanding, this is a business and economic term. But I don't understand how it applies to an MMO. My question is In terms of an MMO, what does diminishing returns mean? Also, does Nick's original answer still hold true? Thanks and keep up the awesome work, Michael D. P.S. This is extremely random, but Joe looks exactly like the field goal kicker for the Michigan football team. <laughs> this <That> is random. <laughs> this is
0: really <laughs> random. Wow, left
1: field. Dave, (laughs) you want to answer the question? I absolutely can't answer this one. Diminishing returns, when you're talking about video games, well, across the board, is, you know, on the first hit, let's say it does 10 uh, seconds of stun. So for those 10 seconds, the enemy can't do anything. The next time it's hit, due to diminishing returns, let's say it's reduced by half, just for this sake of argument. So the next time, if it's hit within a certain time period... It's now getting hit for five seconds of diminishing returns, due to diminishing returns. Let's say it's hit a third time within the period that diminishing returns is still active. It would then be hit again for a reduce by another 50%. So now, since the first one was 10, the second time hit was 5, the next time it's hit is 25 the next time it's hit is 1.25 and so on and so forth. Sloping down so it becomes smaller and smaller and does less... Le- it becomes less effective each time it's used in succession.
2: Until there's immunity well, to it.
1: it. Until it's... base, it, it might as well be immune to it, basically, right? Now, we've seen this in a lot of different games. Uh, WoW has diminishing returns in many different aspects of its game. Especially in PvP... Uh, especially in crowd control, things like that. Um, Diablo, Diablo 2, II, Diablo 3, also has this sort of thing. And it's not even an MMO, but it has diminishing returns. Um, other games, every pretty much anything that had uh, a stun effect in an MMO game usually has diminishing returns unless there's another reliant factor in elder scrolls which which nick Conkle re- referred to the reason they are not having diminishing returns is because stuns and other effects are not free
2: exactly. they're going to
1: cost they're going to cost your stamina
2: stamina and or mana
1: right so they because they have a cost they don't have diminishing returns per se they will you will get to a point if you use that stun over and over and over again, you're not going to have any uh any more mana or stamina to use on anything else. You're you would be hurting yourself by using only that one effect.
4: I mean forgive me cuz I'm not I'm not really used to like why why would you have to have diminishing returns in in a game?
1: You would have to have diminishing returns Prevent because there are what,
4: what's up? Just to prevent. It's the simple answer is
2: to prevent over spamming.
1: Yeah, it's oh. to stop okay. people from keeping someone on lockdown. Gotcha.
4: Okay. Okay. So they just can't keep hitting the same thing over and over and over. And over. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. That makes sense.
2: All right. I that was a good explanation, Dave.
1: <laughs> I was going off on a tangent there. I hope it made sense.
2: Uh, yeah. I think it was answered. What yeah. do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I
4: needed that explanation. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. All right, no, we're I, gonna... I know I
4: did right if
1: Shank understood.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. He's our uh, benchmark. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're gonna go ahead and move on to the El- to the Elder Scroll. We're gonna be luring with Lou.
0: ready, thank you very much, Joe, for the introduction, and as always, continuing in our journey with all things magic and magica. Today, we're going to cover just a little bit of a book, broken into two parts, otherwise Joe would kill me. Uh, Today, we're going to delve a little bit more into necromancy. A Black Arts on Trial. Or as I like to say, The Dead as Tools for the Living, Part 1. And this is a book by Hannibal Traven, Archmagister of the Mages Guild. In his own words, a summary of the salient points of the debate. Which led to the resolution of the Mages Guild on the subject of necromancy. Part 1 History. Necromancy, commonly called the black arts, has a history that dates back before recorded time. Virtually all the earliest laws of the land make mention of it as expressly forbidden on pain of death. Independent practitioners of the arts of sorcery, however, continued its study. The Citric Order of the Isle of Artairn, precursor to our own Mages Guild, also forbade its use, not only because it was dangerous, but their belief in the holy and unholy answers to spirits made it heretical. Again, despite this, we hear many stories of students and masters who ignored this stricture. When Venus Galerion left Arteum, he may disagree with the Psijics on much, but he also refused to allow necromancy to be taught in the guild. Almost 1,100 years have passed since the time of Venus Galerion, and there have been many archmagisters to lead this guild. The question of necromancy has continued to be asked. The strictures against the guild have never been lifted, but attitudes about it have shifted back and forth over the years. Some archmagisters have been inclined to ignore it entirely. Some have fought very actively against it. And still, other archmagisters have been rumored to be necromancers themselves. In my new role as archmagister of the mages' guild, it is my duty to set policy on this matter. Though I have my own opinions on the Black Arts, I took counsel with two of the most learned mages of the Empire, Magister Vothcarlis of Corinth and Magister Ulysses Grechog of Orsinium, and we debated for two days. What follows are summaries of the salient points of the debate, arguments, and counter-arguments, which led to the resolution of the mages' guilt on the subject of necromancy. Part 2. The Argument. Argument by Master Greg Hogg. And he says, necromancy is poorly understood. We will not make it disappear by ignoring it. As an intellectual institution dedicated to the study of magical arts and sciences, we have obligations to the truth. Censoring ourselves and our scholarship is antithetical to our mission of neutrality and objectivity. Counterargument by Master Carlos. The Mages' Guild must balance its quest for knowledge with responsible caution and ethical standards. It is not censoring a student's course of study to have him proceed cautiously and with purity of purpose. It is not limiting a student's freedom to set rules and boundaries. Indeed, it is essential. Argument by Master Carlos. Necromancy is an anathema throughout the civilized world. To embrace it publicly, the Mages' Guild would inspire fear and hostility in the populace at large. Van Galarian wanted this institution to be unlike the Psijic Order, which was elitist and separatist. We ignore public opinion at our own risk. We will certainly lose our charters in many places including, very likely, the whole of Morrowind, where sentiment against necromancy is very strong. Counter-argument by Master Greycock. Yes, we should be sensitive to the concerns of the community, but they should not and must not dictate our scholarship. Necromancer to many uneducated persons simply means an evil mage. It is madness to limit our work because of prejudices and half-formed understanding. It is an affront to the purpose of objective study to turn our back on a subject merely because of public opinion. Argument by Master Gracog. Necromancers are the scourge of Tamriel, whether operating independently or in concert with the Slodes or the King of Worms, the Name Marco. They are responsible for many horrors. Animated zombies and skeletons other forms of the undead. To best combat this menace we must understand the powers of the necromancer, and we cannot do that by restricting our study of the black arts. To which the counter argument by Master Carlos. No one is disputing the threat of the black arts. In fact, that is the very essence of my argument against the Mages Guild, making it a school to be taught to our initiates. We can and should know that our enemy pardon me, what our enemy is capable of but we must be careful not to step into the trap of looking too deep into his ways and making those ways our own. We do no one any good if by studying the evil ways we become evil ourselves. To which Master Carla says, Necromancy is inherently dangerous. One cannot dabble in it. The simplest spell requires a spilling of blood and immediately begins to corrupt the caster's soul. That is not, this is not conjecture, but simple fact. It is irresponsible of the guild to teach and thereby encourage a sort of magical study which has proven itself time and time again to bring nothing but terror and misery on the practitioner and world. To which Master Gregor counter-argues, All schools of magic are dangerous to the initiated. A simple fireball spell from the School of Destruction can cause great harm when cast by a novice, not only to others, but to the mage himself. The School of Mysticism By its very nature, forces the practitioner to divorce his mind from logic, to embrace a temporary sort of insanity, which one might argue is very like corrupting one's soul. To which, again, Massacre postulates, the guild already permits some forms of necromancy. The schools of magicka are, as we know, artificial constructs, originally formulated by Van Scalarion to divide and thereby simplify study. They have changed many times throughout the years, but at their heart, every master knows they are all linked together. When a student of conjuration summons a guardian ghost, he is touching on the school of necromancy. When a student of enchantment uses a trapped soul, he too may be considered guilty of a black art. The school of mysticism, as I have stated before, has some kinship with necromancy as well. To state that students may not learn the ways of necromancy is to stifle common skills in the other more historically legitimate schools of the guild to which mass counter argues yes the schools are intertwined but the standard spells of each school have passed the proof of time we know that a student of mysticism properly instructed will not permanently be permanently harmed by his experience in many ways it is a question of extremes how far would we permit our studies to take us Necromancy, by its very nature, relies on the practitioner going further into the darkness than is wise, virtually guaranteeing his destruction. It has no place on a mage's guild. And this ends part one. Tune in next week as ESOTR delves further with part two of the Black Arts on Trial. And I want to say thank you to the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, the Elder Scrolls wiki, and the Imperial Library for providing all this great information. Hope you all enjoyed it. Please go to those sites take a look. A lot of lore. Take advantage of it.
2: All righty. Thank you, Lou. We're going to go ahead and move on to our final thoughts of the evening. ending out this show tonight, I just want to say PvP. Evarwin? I love my
3: Elder Scrolls anthology. And Lou?
0: I hate you, Evarwin. No, I'm, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I don't hate you much. Thanks. I'm just hating right now. But yeah, I can't wait to get back my own copy and, you know, just... I, I will just put my face and just rub it like oh, I you, Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and Dave. You know, I'm actually hoping that the, that at least soon they release more information about how the economy works in ESO because I'm I really am interested in in taking full advantage of it.
4: And Shank. I guess the more and more we hear about their PvP, the less um, scared I am of it because there was a lot of questions tonight that I didn't even know I had but were answered, so kudos to Zoss.
2: And it's time for our QGN Community segment. Mr. Varlin, take us out. Yeah, to check up on the latest and greatest of Elder Scrolls news,
3: general gaming, and how to join our wonderful growing community, well, it all starts at elderscrollsofftherecord.com and at questgamingnetwork.com. Over at questgamingnetwork.com, you can stay connected to all of the latest news from Xbox, PlayStation, Rift, and Elder Scrolls. Uh, You can donate to our shows. $10 gets a special mention, if you prefer. Uh, And you can follow all of our other shows, like Rift Off the Record, live Sundays at 7 p.m., and the upcoming Dungeon Quest coming September 16th live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time and we start recording at 7. Uh, oh, Find ways to hear all about our QGN shows and contact us as well on our
2: sidebar and all of that is at questgamingnetwork.com Can I uh, jump in sh- really quick on something? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, we are going to be starting recording on the current plan. The new Adrenaline Esports show will be starting on, fr- on Wednesday the 25th. A time will be announced shortly.
0: PM trademark. Okay. Soon.
2: So, if you're a fan of
3: esports, that's the show to check out. Uh, you can email us at Elder Off the Record at gmail.com and check out all our gaming videos and how-to guides and recorded Twitch streams at YouTube.com forward slash Quest Gaming Network. And don't forget to watch for our nightly stream seven days a week on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash quest gaming network. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash elder scrolls off the record and follow us on Twitter show can be found at elder scrolls OTR. Joe can be found at the widget. I'm a You can follow me at Evarwin. E V A R W Y N. Uh, Lou's at Gamerguy11B, G-A-M-E-R-G-U-I-1-1-B, and Dave is at D-I-E-N
1: ors
3: <laughs>
2: And Shank is at Shank the Tank, S-H-A-N-K, T-H-T-A-N-K. Elder Scrolls off the record as a Quest Gaming Network production in association with Milleth Network. And I just want to say foos uh, for all you all next week. Take care, everyone. Be safe. May the foos. Be with you.
0: Good night, everyone. Glad you were all here. Hope to see you all again next week. Loose road, y'all.
4: See you next time. Leave off the E for discounts on pumice stones.
2: By Gaming Network. Great people, great podcasts, a better network.